everybody it is wednesday again it's time for another episode of snipes and stripes right here on nofilter.net with my super superhero partner tim peel and it never seems to uh you just never seem to make me laugh every time i jump on with you peels i don't know if it's what you're wearing or your facial expressions and the smile that you have or it just looks like uh, you're always you're always ready to just go at a conversation and um uh, I'm, I'm, it always makes me happy. How you doing today, buddy? I'm awesome, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, no, filter, no, no filter.net. Obviously the, where the fans can join the show, click on the knock button. If you want to be part of the show, if we have the opportunity, we're going to bring you on to hear some of your opinions, disagreement, agreement, maybe your take on things sponsored by whiskey in the wild, the best chocolate and chocolate whiskey of all time. And of course, one of our favorites is Bet Online. One of the best places to make a lot of money and get your wagers in. Tim, t- tell us a little bit about Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your NHL basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up to the minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in game betting live. Contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile device. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team. And remember to use your promo code BLEAV, B L E A V, for 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, the game starts here, buddy. Yeah, the game starts tonight with Toronto. In Arizona, we have a really cool kind of scenario being set up tonight, PLZ, and I'm going to give take get your take. Does Austin Matthews, who has 49 goals in 53 games, just think about that. Think about Austin Matthews and the run that he's been on this year. He's 49 goals. He is in his home state, his home city where he grew up playing hockey in Arizona in front of his family, in front of his friends. Does he get number 50 tonight? Keenan, Keenan on the chat line says hat trick again tonight, which yeah, would not surprise me. Keenan took the words out of my mouth. I got to see him son, uh, Monday here in St. Louis. He hit the post once, scored his 49th goal. I'm with Keenan. I think he could get a hat trick again tonight. He's got seven goals in his last three games. Would not surprise me at all, buddy, if he ripped it up tonight in that little mullet arena and uh, put on a show for all his all his family and friends. And I think that'd be a great way, even if he just gets one and gets his 50th, I think that'd be awesome for him to get his 50th in Arizona in front, in front of his family and friends. Yeah, it would be fantastic. And, and this guy has just been an absolute machine. And for those of you who are listening on the podcast, we're actually just having a little clip of a little montage of some of Austin Matthews goals. And it is amazing to me watching all the different variations of his goals, whether it's Deeks, his, his wrist shot, his slap shot, his one timers, that little drag pull wrist shot that he has that I think only him and Bedard has really, um, have really kind of mastered uh, maybe Connor McDavid also, but it's such a dynamic lightning lightning fast uh, release that just, I mean, the goaltenders just sit there and say, what just happened? JR, I have a question for you. When, because, you know, my son takes skills lessons and so on, and I see them shooting that or, or, or teaching that way to shoot now. 
are they able to shoot like that now because of the flex and the sticks where you weren't able to back in the day? Like, is that why, like, how has it changed from, you know, shooting it out away from your feet to bringing it in tight and shooting it? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, because if you remember, you remember the Easton stick that, that Brett Hall used was like yeah. a 65 or 75 flex. I mean, that thing was like hit, like shooting with a toothpick and it was, and it was small, it was short. And he, when he hit that puck, it literally looked like the, the stick was going to bend in half and he just had the proper touch. And obviously you have to have the proper touch. You can't put all your force into it. It's having that perfect, look at that. And here's Alex Ovechkin, for those who aren't watching here or just listening, Alex Ovechkin is on screen with a stick that's literally bending like a, like a, like a bow and arrow um, and which creates so much torque and so much velocity on that puck. Timmy, looking at this picture, there's no, yeah. there's no surprise why Alex Ovechkin has so many goals with the puck flying off that stick at that kind of um, whipping velocity. Remember when you switched, do you remember what year it was that, that you switched from wooden sticks to those Eastons? Yeah, so when I, when, I, when I first got up to Chicago, I made the team. Okay, I played four games when I was 18. I didn't score in the first four games, and Keenan thought it was a good idea to send me to juniors to get a little bit more prep against some, get some higher echelon players, higher than I was at high school. But in junior, in the Quebec League that year, they had new rules. One of the rules where you had to wear a neck guard. Another rule is you had to wear a full face mask, so we had full shields. And the third rule was you weren't allowed to use aluminum sticks. So these guys, the Quebec League in Canada, they were they were progressive long before all these crazy liberal progressives went cuckoo, you know, and, and was scared to death about everything and, and, you know, safety and, you know, God forbid if anybody gets hurt, you know, so. That's unbelievable that they mandated neck guards back then. Neck guards, face masks, and, and no aluminum sticks. So everybody was using wood stick. This the stick that's on the screen right now is my old blue Easton. This one I wore that I used in I think it was 1992, 93 when I went to the finals, 94. Um, I used a wood stick when I was in junior. Obviously, I had to. So when I got brought up to the Chicago in February at an emergency recall when I scored my first goal that first year, um, I only played 26 games of junior. I played the rest of the other, the season with the Hawks. Uh, I had a Victoriaville, wooden Victoriaville stick, and I used that the rest of that season in pro. But my first full my first full season, which was my rookie season, because I only played 24 games with the Hawks in 1988-89. So I played 26 with Hall, 24 with the Hawks, and I was injured half the season. But that next year, I used a gold Easton stick. I was one of the first players to use the Easton Aluminums in the National Hockey League, and you um, notice, I never went back. Did you notice a big difference in shooting? Oh, it was a huge difference. It was a huge difference. It was obviously more durable. Uh, you felt a lot more feel in the aluminum sticks. The, cr the crazy thing was is they, they would come in two pieces, right? They would come with the actual yeah. shafts. Yeah, the glue. And, yeah. and then you had the, the blades that came specialized to your curve. And sometimes you had to put the blowtorch on them to curve them the way that you wanted to exactly. But then you had to like 
you had to put some tape on the end. You had to put some more glue and then sh- and then glue it into the shaft. And, you know, the harder you glued it in, the better it felt and the more secure it was. But um, the, from where sticks have come from the mid-80s to now, I mean, literally, they're like, I, I said using a toothpick. They're as light as tooth- toothpicks right now. And they're so durable that they're made so much better. The only the only time you really see people breaking them is when they slash it over a over yeah. the boards or on the glass or on the posts or on the crossbars in frustration. Um, and it's no wonder why these guys shoot the puck 110 miles an hour and shoot it with the, where you can't even see the puck. And it's harder on the goaltenders, but then again, the goaltenders are better too. Well, you would have done the same thing. I'm a couple of years older than you, but you would have done the same thing as you were, when you were a kid, you would have taken that stick, put it over the stove in your kitchen, heat it up and then put it underneath the door jam and, and try to get more curve out of it. That's what we did back then. So I got to, I got to tell you the story, 1991 Canada cup. We're, um, we're getting ready for the finals against the against the Canadians. And um, I'm, I'm 21 years old. And just think of me 21 years old in the Canada cup. This is four years after Mario and Gretz did that, that unbelievable um, the world that, that Canada cup, um, in Hamilton, in, in in Quebec City, in Hamilton, and and Montreal, right when they they were just unbelievable. So Canada Cup was like huge back in the early '90s, late '80s. So I'm playing in the Canada Cup. We're getting ready to play the Canadians in the finals. And Brett Hall, after practice in Hamilton, is taking one timers. And um, I think it was Joel Otto is just throwing just throwing one time you know one time passes from 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 face off dot to face off dot. And Holly is just just banging him over Pat Jablonski's shoulders. Pat Jablonski was in net. And just bang over the shoulder, bang over the shoulder, bang over the shoulder, right? And Shelly, Shelly's on the far blue line, on the far side of the blue line, okay? And he has a puck. And Shelly goes, hey, Holly, one time this. And Shelly takes a full slap shot, and the puck stays right on the ice. And Holly went, whap! And one-timed it. One-timed it. And Jablonski didn't even move, and it was already in the back of the net. And he looked behind him, and he looked at Holly, and all of us looked at Holly like, what the hell just happened? It was off Chelly's stick and in the back of the net in less than a second. Unbelievable. It was the most unbelievable shot I've ever seen with a 65 flex. That's how talented Brett Hall was shooting the puck and his timing and his touch. And he put his hands on his hips and he just looked at everybody like, who's who's next? And he skated right off the ice. And it was the funniest thing ever. That guy, and I still say, him, Alex Ovechkin, two of the best shots I've ever seen in the National Hockey League shooters. We we posted a video last week of of you saying that Austin Matthews going to go down as the best pure uh, American goals uh, scorer in the history of the National Hockey League. And there were a few comments, and one of them I had to laugh. One of them goes, no, no, Mike Bossy, Mike Bossy isn't. And I, I quickly text back or, you know, message back on Twitter. I go, Mike Bossy was born in Montreal, Canada. Hello. <laughs> but a lot of people ask me, they go, does JR really think that Austin Matthews is going to go down as a pure – Pure goal scorer than Brett Hull. He definitely has a chance, but also now you're talking about whether Brett Hall is is American that, or Canadian. That, he was that. born. Listen, right. he was born in Canada. Correct. Right. 
but his mom is American, so he has dual citizenship. So, yeah, I get I get, get your point because, and I was going to ask you about that and to see if you know anything, have any insight on that because I ne- I've never really heard. Well, Brett Brett always played for U.S. because the Canadian team, right? And I believe it was for that '88 team that we were uh, that were the '88 uh, World Cup or '87 World Cup or the Canada Cup that we're talking about. Brett Hall was snubbed from the Canadian team, and and he was so he was so pissed off. He says, "I won't play for you guys. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go do my thing, and I'm play for U.S. because U.S. wants me." So he always played for U.S. and and thank goodness for us because. I mean, right. he was, he, he, obviously he was a huge part of our team, but um, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Let's, let's bring on, a, let's bring on Anthony on and see what, what he thinks of maybe Austin Matthews being one of the, I think he's going to be the best goal scorer of all time. If you think, you look at his stats, right? He's 20, he's not even, he's 27 years old. What's up, Anthony? How are we yeah. doing, pal? All right, how's it going, JR? You know, we always love, always love when our fans can jump on and our uh, people that are loyal to the to the podcast can jump on and give their opinion. We're talking about Austin Matthews, and I'm just looking at his stats right now. And you look down the line, and he scores 40 in his first year at the Maple Leafs, 34, 37, 47, 41, 60, 40. Now, Jeez. I mean, he's got. And and now he's got he's gonna he's about ready to get fifty this season. So he's got he's got three hundred and forty eight goals, three hundred and forty eight goals in just over five hundred and thirty games. Incredible. Five hundred thirty games. He has three hundred and forty eight goals. Just think of that as a goal scorer. Um, just the so natural goal scorer he is. He just makes it look easy. So if you think about it, if you think about it, right? He's he's twenty. He's what's what? How old is he right now? He is twenty six. Okay, he's twenty six. He doesn't turn twenty seven till September. Okay, so he's got he's halfway to seven hundred right now. Yeah, and and he's not even twenty seven years old yet. He yeah. still has his prime ages of 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. He's got five years of prime scoring potential, maybe even six. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, of course, he's, yeah, he's going he's gonna to be a, he's gonna be a 700 goal scorer. I mean, that's sick. Without, without a doubt. Anthony, do you have a question for us? Yeah, I was going to uh, ask you guys about the uh, the Devils. Um, you know, you, I thought you guys were going to talk trades. Uh, are they going to be looking for a goalie, you think? Um, I'm a Ranger fan, but I figured I'd touch on the Devils a little bit. Well, that was a, that was a tough loss last night to, uh, to the Caps. What was it? 6-2, I think, was the final. That's a game that, that the Devils need to win. I, I heard today that they're trying to get Jacob Markstrom uh, and that the trade fell through. If I'm Calgary and, and I'm uh, Craig Conroy, I'm, I'm asking for a lot because he knows that, that, you know, the New Jersey Devils are too good of a hockey club not to be in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They've been riddled with injuries this year. It's killed them. It's been terrible. They're getting subpar goaltending. I think Markstrom could come in and, and help solidify that. Um, but they're gonna. There's gonna be a price to pay, Jr. For that. Yeah, Anthony. Do you think the the trades that they had in the offseason, trading two of their two of their high end defensemen, really put a different look onto the onto the Devils team? 
with the with the fall with getting to Foley you're talking about? No, they well they trade they Severinson was one of them that they traded to Columbus. Uh and I forget the other well Graves Graves was is in Colorado, but yeah, they gave um, up two two solid defensemen that were very good quality guys and um I just thought that that was the last thing that they needed to do in the offseason is to move defensemen. They have offense. They have offense. Let's keep their defensive core uh, more stable and solid because you see what's happening because now with injuries, New Jersey's given up a lot of goals. I mean, to give up six goals to the Washington Capitals who are pretty anemic goal-scoring-wise this year is pretty embarrassing. Yeah, with Hughes coming back and uh, and I think with Toffoli and, and Meyer starting to turn it on a little bit maybe they'll make a good push for the playoffs i'm uh, i'm thinking well i mean they're i agree with you jr it's their defense right now that i think is letting them down and they're getting average goaltending so i mean right now right now they're they're on the outs they're they're at 60 points and it looks like uh it looks like right now tampa and Detroit have those wild card spots in the East. That kind of seem right. So they're four points back. But if if they keep this inconsistent play right now, the New Jersey Devils, and don't find a way to to play better defense, uh, they're going to find themselves too far back because yeah. you, do, you they cannot afford to go on a losing streak right now with only with with how many games they have left with only twenty seven games left. Yeah. You um, got to- you got some good teams in that division there. The Rangers are playing great. You know, pa- the Panthers in that in that conference, uh, the Lightning, Maple Leafs, I mean, and Philadelphia is not not too bad. So Anthony, we appreciate you having uh you yeah, come thanks, on. Buddy. We appreciate yeah, you being on early too. We know we came on a little early because I gotta go to the Hawks game tonight. I'm gonna go see Mr. Bedard for the first time um in person so i'm very excited about that anthony thanks for joining us you're the best buddy always love to hear our our east coast uh hockey fans whether it's rangers islanders Uh, islanders came back and had a big one last night overtime that was that was big for them um after losing to the rangers in the outdoor game and to come back and have another nail biter like they had last night Um, um, a lot of goals though jr lots of goals like that you know they lost five four or was it six five that outdoor game five four I think no six five six no. five they lost six five then they nine goals they, in their last two games no they've given up ten goals in their last two games yeah and you know I would think it would just be the opposite with Patrick Waugh at the helm right they would play better defensively but they're scoring more goals which was their problem it never was their their defensive play but. Now it's now it's like it's almost like they're trying so hard to score goals that they're not getting back to play defense. And Sorokin, for some reason, is is not saving a day for him like he has in the past. No, he's not. And it'll be really, you know, it'll be really interesting to see what Lou does because Lou is not one to stand pat. And and you know, this team, I I you know, like we talked about. Tampa's got 65, Detroit's got 64, Jersey and the Islanders are tied at 60, Washington's 58, Pitt's 56. Pitt and, Pitt and Washington are not making the playoffs, which comes to this point. What does Dubas do in Pittsburgh? Does he, he's, you know, I read something today. Someone said, oh, they're going to they're gonna re-sign Gensel and Stan Pat. And I'm like, well, if they do that, it's that 
definition of insanity. Yeah, Keenan on the chat line says it takes time to warm up to a new coach. Well, they don't have time. They don't have time. No, they I mean, don't. They're, they're they're in a situation now. If they if they sit there and 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 win one, lose two, win one, lose two, they're gonna be out of the playoffs. They they I, can't afford to get warm up to the coach. They got to do it right now. And I disagree with that. With that, you know, we look at LA. LA's won four in a row under under Hiller. We see what St. Louis has won seven out of ten or eleven. Um, you know, obviously, we've seen what what the changes around the league with other coaches. So, you know what? It's it's unfortunate that, and we've mentioned it before, but I just don't see Pittsburgh and Washington making it. I see a guy like Steve Eisman because I think Steve considers himself being ahead of the plan right now in Detroit, and I see Steve not making a blockbuster trade, but making adding some key pieces. Uh, to an already good lineup. They've got a good team. So it'll be interesting to see with Detroit. And uh, I think Tampa will make it. And then I was reading today, you know, they're talking about Philadelphia. Will Philadelphia sell some pieces because they, they're they building for the long term here. And I think if there's a chance for them to, to make changes to make them better down the road. They're also willing to look at that. So it'll be interesting to see what Philly does. But I wanted to touch on um, a highlight real goal last night, and that was Quinton Byfield in L.A. Jr. Well, I had a I had the the pleasure of seeing Luke Robitaille and, and uh, Rob Blake in L.A. a few weeks back. Uh, we were talking about the team, a lot of the dynamics about the team, and one of the players that both of them brought up that they were very, very happy about, and um, we were talking actually trade stuff, and both of these guys both said uh, Quentin Byfield is not on our on, our, on the trade option for us. Um, he has shown so much promise, so yeah. much, so much um, talent. His work ethic has been off the charts. Uh, his consistency has been excellent, and they they see him growing into the player that they thought that they drafted three years ago, and um, you know, culminating in this goal that he scored last night. Which you know, when you score goals like this, um, what it does for your confidence, right? Yeah. I mean, your confidence just you feel like you, you can score at any time uh, in any any situation. So good, good on Byfield. I mean, he's. Talking about scoring a big goal and this line that he has with Kopitar and um, um, uh, see, look at the speed this guy has. He's coming down for those not here. We're watching Quentin Byfield get down the ice, splitting the defenseman one on two, taking it underneath the stick, backhand uh, shelf goal. I mean, th- th- this is his highlight of a, of a goal as you get. He shows speed. He shows tenacity. He shows his hand, his handwork, how crafty he is. Um, He's a big guy, too. I mean, this guy is a big guy that can hit. He's strong. Look at and just, I mean, off his skate. I I mean, that that is one of the most, one of the prettiest goals. And you want to say athletic goals that, that you'll see all year because he used every single option in his talent from his hands to his skates to his 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 mentality his his brains and scored a, a huge important goal um yeah. impressive you know what la hopefully they're back to where they were 
you know, uh, before, unfortunately, before Todd got, got fired, because I think they're too good of a team, JR, not to make the playoffs. One thing before we move on. Uh, well, listen, I mean, don't don't just quit on L.A. there. Here they are. They've just won four games in a row. Yeah. Okay. And at three out of these four games, they only let up one goal. So there, there's, there's been some talk around that locker room and whether it's with the players or with the coaches to have a more solid of a team style defense. So whether the forwards are coming back to help their D, there's more of a, of a 200 foot rule for this LA King team right now, uh, whether they're just getting great goaltending right now. Um, but three out of the last four games is a one goal against now that's hard to do. They, you know, they they had a squeaker last night, five four, against Pittsburgh. But um, you got to give them a lot of credit. You got to give them a lot of credit. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and that's the type of hockey you need to win in the playoffs, right? I didn't Maybe. say five four. I mean t- two one. They split two one. It was five four against Bruins that they they squeaked out in overtime against the Bruins five four. And and that's a good Bruins team that they that they beat in in Boston. So that's the type of hockey that team I think is built for the playoffs. They're big and strong. Pierre Pierre Luc Dubois, who we have beat up a lot on this show, is playing a lot better. Um, were you surprised at all that the commissioner up, upheld the suspension with uh, Morgan Riley? No, it doesn't surprise me because the, the again the the commissioner is not going to go against his people, not going to embarrass his people. Exactly. You know they're not going to embarrass George Peros, not going to embarrass the referees. Um, it was a cross check to the head. We saw it. It wasn't like he wasn't he didn't mean to do it because he did. Um, precedents have been set with David Perron. Uh, like I said, this is this is where I just wish again. Morgan Riley could have just he could have avoided any type of suspension by yeah. dropping his gloves, dropping his stick, and just doing it the old-fashioned way with your fists. Yeah. This all this this you know BS cross check, cross check in the head, cross check in the shoulders, cross check in the mouth. It's 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 rinky dink, man. It's 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 childish. You know, there, there's no there's no bravery in that. Well, it seems that it seems that all, all the uh, teams that Ottawa's playing lately, they all want to blow up Ridley Greg, uh, Greg, because Cernak just blew him up last night, and it seems every time there's a chance for somebody to hit him, somebody's trying to take take him out. Well, sure, because listen, all the players in the in the league, they're they're family. I mean, they, they look out, they see what happens, they they know what they would feel like if Ridley Greg did that to them. And it's it's an image thing, right? Whether you do it in Ottawa, it's it leaves a black scar in 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 Tampa. Yeah. It, you know, people see this. It's like, is this what they do in hockey? They shut they they, they shove it up everybody's you know, yeah, you know, hoo ha to you know to make fun of everybody and to rub it in and stuff like that. Are they that classless? So yeah, then this is one of the things we talked about with with Ridley. You know, he stepped into a, into a hornet's nest. He's going to learn really quick as a young young hockey player in the National Hockey League what to do and what not to do because yeah. he's going to feel some pain for a little while because of that stupid move. Yeah, yeah, good for you. Know what? I love it. I think it's great. Hey, listen, there's something that this is non uh, 
we're not, we're kind of talking about the playoffs and, and who's going to make it and who's not, but there was an interesting thing that I, I saw today when I was doing some research for the show, Jeff Skinner, who has played over 900 games in the NHL has not played in a playoff game, JR. And before, before you hold on ever, ever, ever. So before you give your, your, I, you know, uh, idea about, or what your thoughts about it. So Jeff Skinner, um, played in Carolina from 2010 to 2018. They missed the playoffs all those years. Then the, the next year he gets traded, they go to the conference finals. He goes to Buffalo. They haven't played in a, in a playoff game yet. I can't stand Jeff Skinner. I think Jeff Skinner is part of the problem in Buffalo. Jeff Skinner has always been a me, me, me type of player. He's the type of player. He yells at the refs when things aren't going his way. He yells at his teammates when things aren't going his way. He wants to blame. I am not surprised when I saw that stat today because I don't think Jeff Skinner is a good team guy. He's made a lot of money, and he has done F all in this league. He's done nothing in this league. He's never played a playoff game. There's not one other player in the league that's played over 900 games that hasn't played a playoff game. That is an amazing stat. Is that you've, played, a- you've played over 900 games and you have not played in the playoffs once. That, if that is not one of the most telling uh, signs of of individualism, right? Now, granted, you can't win with one person, but one person can really do a damage on a team. Correct. Um, they can bring bad mojo. They can bring bad chemistry. They can bring they bring holes in systems. Um, they bring bad attitudes. And I've heard this about Jeff Skinner. I've heard that he is a he is a he's a complainer. I heard that he was all about himself. I heard he was a me 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 guy, um, which is kind of strange because he's he is on the smaller side. Maybe that's the small syndrome. Man syndrome, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the small man syndrome. Um, the kid's got severe talent. The kid can play. He's one of the best skaters, one of the best edge work guys that there is. But you're right. This is a guy that goes up and he goes away. He comes to play, then he goes away. And it seems to be always on Jeff Skinner's time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've, I've had a problem with him since he's when he, you know, scored 32 goals and he signed a big contract. And then he literally scored two the next season. Um Oh, yeah. Without looking it up, I guarantee his last year in Carolina, his contract year, he probably lit it up. And that's why he got the big contract in, in, in uh, Buffalo. But it was uh, that was very telling to me, as you said. And uh, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. But that's that. But he was a guy, and not to uh, harp on it, but he was a guy that when I saw him, I go, you're not a very good person. You're not a very good teammate because I can see – I can see right through your bullshit. Did, did you ever have any run-ins with him on the ice? Oh yeah, all the time. He was he was an asshole. He was a, he was a he was an he just wasn't a good person. He mm. he he just always um, he just it was always about him, you know. And he's put out some put put up some good stats over the years, but he uh, it's all about Jeff Skinner. So anyway, that's that's I'm looking at his stats and. His playoff stats have all lines through them. Um, got 932 regular season games, 
more now because he's played this year. So more like 970, 970 games. He's approaching 1,000 games, and he's not yeah. going to make the playoffs again this year. Right. Could he be? Could he be the first player ever to play a thousand right. games and never play in the playoffs? I mean, that's that that's would, unbelievable. That embarrassing. That would be embarrassing. Hey, can you imagine? Yeah. So this is the season I'm talking about. So Buffalo in um, in uh, 2018, 2019, he scores 40 goals. I think he signed a contract after that season. Came back the next year with 14 goals and nine assists in 59 games. So. Um, granted, he was hurt, although he only played 59 games, but 14 goals is not acceptable in 59 games. Nine assists in 59 games is unacceptable. Then the next year, 53 games, he scores seven goals and seven assists for 14 points. I mean, that's two back-to-back -back years of just of brutality after you sign a big contract. Um, he, he then, then, he, then he jumps up to 33 and, and, and then 35. Yeah, he does it. He does it when he knows there's a payday, right? You know. So, you know. Um, does that bother you? Does that does that bother you? Oh, does that, does that bother you that that you that you can do it all the time and you just don't? It bothers me because, like I I said, I just don't think he's a good teammate. I don't. You know, people don't play in this league for nine hundred a thousand games and never play in one playoff game. That's that's just I've never even I couldn't believe it when I. Um, what's the um, have you ever heard the expression if you're sitting at a poker table and if you can't pick out the fish. And the fish is the guy that is the that's the sucker on the table that, that everybody goes after that every that is the that's going to get sucked into losing every hand. If you can't spot the fish at the table, it's probably you. <laughs> so I wonder if this is the same kind of situation with the Buffalo Sabres. Is it we talk about the coach, we talk about the GM, we talk about their makeup, but if we see a guy with no playoffs in 970 games, hey, maybe it's maybe it's you. Maybe it's you, buddy. Maybe it's you. That's a good point. That's pretty cool. That's so, funny. Um Players at the trade trade deadline. Jacob Chekrin's name is being bantered. Again? Again. Now, Again. To, me, to me, I would take him because he's only got two years left, uh, I think, at $4.6 million. Um, Colton Pareko. See, this is, a, this, this is a guy I would love to talk about, Colton Pareko. Now, $5 million, very reasonable. Right? Very reasonable. Extremely, extremely effective defenseman. And signed till the twenty nine thirty season. Okay, so he's got some leverage in terms of in terms of his contract. Now, St. Louis is in a dogfight for the playoffs. They are they are right there. They're in. They're, they are the second wild card right now. Um, but Nashville's tied with them. Minnesota's two points behind them. And Seattle's three points behind them. So, do you give? Do you risk giving up a guy in St. Louis like Pareko that you can get some good quality players back? Probably get a good, a really good uh, second line, maybe a first line player, a couple draft picks. But you're definitely going to get a high end player for Pareko. 
do they does, does St. Louis take that chance to to dangle him out there to see what they can get? Because the Boston Bruins could use a Colton Pareko big time. The, the Toronto Maple Leafs could use one a uh, Colton Pareko big time. Oh my goodness! Listen, I've watched this guy play since he came in the league. You know, living here in St. Louis and ref, refereeing him, he gets beat up a bit because because he's so big. He doesn't check. He's not a he's not a guy to, to throw his body around. But when you have a guy that's six foot six, okay, and he's his stick is so long, he keeps everybody to the outside. Defensively, he's a beast. In front he's, of the net, in front of the net, he's a good clearer in front of the net. Right. Clearer in front of the net. Tremendous team guy. People say he's too nice. You know, he's just that's his makeup. Like um it's tough to get a player like him in your franchise. Like those are the type of players you want to get. But to your point, does, you know, Doug Armstrong's got some leverage here because he's won a Stanley cup, right? He's got the cup. He's already got the cup from five years ago and they are on a rebuild. They're not the team that they were in 2019. They're very weak defensively. You know, their back end uh, besides Justin Falk is really weak. Marunovic is out hurt again for the umpteenth time in his career. Then you got Tory Krug, who's a shell of what he was. Yeah, Tory uh, Krug gets beat out of every every muscled off of every puck he ever goes against, every single one. And he's a great great offensive defenseman, but he's too small to 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 be in front of this net or playing a, a big strong defensive role. But this is my question: the St. Louis, yes, they did win a cup a couple of years ago. Um, uh, Colton Pareko could be a very good commodity to help build that rebuild faster. Yeah. To get a to get a real top end one or two one or two line you know top three top six player, a couple good draft choices that could ex- expedite a rebuild. Right. Would, well, they, would, would they be willing to do that though? You tell, tell the listeners your analogy that you said to me on the show before the show about Boston, for example, Debraskin, uh, yeah, exactly. So here, here you got in Boston, you got a couple people that you can dangle in Boston. Um, you know, Jake Debrusk is a power forward, you know, plays can play second line, third line, first line, uh, it could score goals. He at last year even asked for a trade from Boston and they didn't do it. This could be a guy, uh, that that St. Louis could use big time um, giving up a, a, a you know, a, a Grizzly who could be teamed with Tory Krug. You can have the midget line up there. The little people, the little people set out there, right? The little people duo, duo with, uh, yeah. with Krug and Grizzly back, back there again, and then get some draft picks. Um, you know, that wouldn't be a bad look if you're the, if you're the Bruins or maybe that, is that enough for, for Colton Pareko? I don't know. We'll see. Another guy that's on that team is Peruna, uh, uh, Bruce Nevich, and he's played well for them. But this year he's he's been average. Um, I don't. I think Doug Armstrong is going to be a seller at the trade deadline. He did it. He did it four or five years ago. They were three points out of the playoff race. They were, you know, they were right there, and he traded Paul Stastny to Winnipeg. And the players looked around the dust room going, well, I guess we're not going for it now. So Doug's not afraid, even though they're in the eighth spot now. They were only three points out of the eighth spot a few years ago when he traded Paul to to Winnipeg, and he was their first or second line center. So Army's a he's a smart GM. It'll be interesting to see. Um, 
a guy by the name of Zachary Bolduke is playing his first game in the NHL for them tomorrow. He was a first round draft pick. Um, Falk is Falk's been put on the LTIR. So when they go on the LTIR, that frees up their cap space, right? Yes. So maybe Armstrong, maybe he's got wiggle room to bring it to be a buyer. I don't know. It's it'll be interesting to see. One guy that I I think will be on the move. Because if I was a GM, I would want him 10 days every day is, is uh, easy for you to say, is uh, Chris Tanev. Chris Tanev, he's a UFA at the end of this contract. They're saying you only have to get a second-round pick for him. They're saying if you gave up a first-round pick, you could get him tomorrow. Chris Tanev blocks shots with his face. Chris Tanev, to me, is a warrior he is the type of defenseman that a Toronto needs. Um, well, every team could use a Chris Tanner. Well, he's the he's the multi-talented positional player. Here's a guy that can play offensive. He's a guy that plays defensive. Uh, his energy, the way he plays the game is the same every single time. Every single game, his consistency is is one of the best in the league. Um, you can see the effort that he puts on the ice. He comes off bruised and, and damaged every game because he finishes check. You're right. He steps in front of pucks. He sacrifices his body. Um, this guy does not get enough credit for how good of a hockey player he is. Uh, I totally agree with you. If anybody can pick up a Chris Tanev at the trade deadline, it's struck gold. There's no question about it. Um, Noah Hannafin, I hear, is, it could, is, is, could be looking to get beyond on the run from Calgary. Um, is that a, is that a good is that a good Toronto Toronto pickup or do they have enough uh, offensive defensemen with you know with Morgan Riley? Do they need somebody of Noah Hannafin's um, stature or do they need more stay at home solid puck moving defensemen in Toronto? Because Toronto's starting to make a make a move and make a push. They're playing better, but they're not built for the playoffs. They give up too many goals. Yeah, their defense, like I, I, I've seen them play a lot lately, and I saw them live on Monday, and I noticed that I was com- trying to compare them to other teams in the league. Tampa's defense, Vegas's defense, um, uh, not Vancouver, uh, Colorado's defense. Toronto's got a lot of smaller defensemen. And when I say smaller, they're not, you know, 5'10", but they're six foot, six one. but... You look at, at Vegas's defense, their smallest defenseman last year when they won the cup was Alec Martinez at six foot two. He was their smallest D. Yeah. Big E with long sticks when uh, that can skate. And, and that can skate. So I don't think Toronto's built for the playoffs either. I I like I was very impressed. You know, they've gone four and without or without Morgan Riley on the uh on the back end, which is pretty impressive. They're playing. Yeah, because they're riding, they're riding Austin Matthews coattails right now. Riding them. Right. They're, right. Playing, they're playing some good hockey. Who, who, if I ask you this question, who is the most under-talked about, quietest playoff team right now, and do they need to make a, 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 a trade to strengthen their playoff, their cup chances? Because this is a team, in my opinion, I have this team in my mind, that – people thought would have made the, the Stanley Cup finals already, but hasn't. So who? what team am I talking about? Dallas. No. Really? No. 
Because Dallas is a team. Even, even, even quieter than Dallas. I don't really think Dallas needs to make any moves. I think their team is as solid as you get. Four lines, great defense, great goaltending. I think they stay pat. They don't need to make any moves. For them, it's just their consistency. There's one team that is literally that has gone. I don't think anybody's talked about them since they were in their losing streak back in the beginning in November when this the coach was having a conniption over his whole team. What team am I talking about? Anybody in the anybody in the chat know um, who I'm refer- referencing? It's an East Coast team, very good team, but nobody ever talks about them. And they could be very, very lethal with one good trade at the trade deadline to bolster their team. And that's exactly right. Keenan, no, Keenan got it right on his pick. It's the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, I don't know, buddy. Like, I don't know what it is about that team. They, they, they were supposed to do something the last couple of years and they have really underachieved. So you're saying one, one piece is all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, they haven't been able to get out of the first round the last couple of years. No, but I mean, if you look at their, I mean, they're 71 points. They're second in the Metro. Um, they're what? third, they're third, they're third in the East or fourth in the East. Right. So, I mean, they're, they're up there. Their defense is good, is solid. Their forwards are solid, but they're just not. They're good, but there's nothing great about this team, and they need something great. Their right? goaltending is not great with Ranta and however you pronounce the guy, the the Russian guy. Their goaltending, you know, Freddie Anderson is always hurt. He was yeah. He's had he's had a rough go, and and I just don't think I don't know. I could be wrong. But I just don't think they're built to go very far. I love Sebastian Aho. Uh, you mean Aho? <laughs> it's it's not Aho. But but is he gonna? It's not Aho. I'm sure he's a nice guy. He's not Aho. Yeah. It's 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 Aho. <laughs> but, but is he gonna is he gonna carry your team? You know, through the trenches in the first round or the second round. I don't see it. I don't see that in him. I see that in the Matthew Kachuk. I see that in a bunch of other guys. I don't see that in him. So I don't know. I don't know if they got enough uh, fortitude or whatever to get where they need to get. Well, I mean, that, they have some really good players. Obviously, you said Aho. He's this Martin, this Natchez, Marty Natchez. Have you uh, seen this kid play? Awesome hockey player. Awesome. I mean, this kid is an awesome hockey player. He's he's the real deal. Tara Vinen still plays plays the game the proper way. You know, ever since he left Chicago, he's just he's just made himself a nice little career for himself. Um, Sergeyev just hasn't been the, is the same person, the same player since he got hurt. I know he's he hasn't been in the lineup as much this year, but he's a dynamic player. Um, you want to talk about a, a you want to talk about a role player, a guy that I would love on my team? That's Seth Jarvis. Have you ever have you watched Seth Jarvis play at all? He's a tremendous player. Tremendous player. I mean, this kid plays every aspect, every aspect of, of every zone properly, and he plays it with grit. He plays it with tenacity. Um, you know, they got great defensemen. Obviously, Brent Burns is still can bring it. Jacob Slavin is like this team is a solid team, but they they just don't have the they don't have the wow factor, right? right. There's no wow factor on this team. Would you um, think Ansel help that team? Absolutely. Jake Gensel would definitely help that team. Jake Gensel would help any team. Does the Pittsburgh Penguins give up on, on Gensel? 
Well, he's a UFA at the end of this year and he's making 6 million bucks. So they've got to make a decision on what to do with them. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what Pittsburgh's going to do. You know, Anthony, Anthony Duclair, he's only making 3 million in San Jose right now. Anthony Duclair can score goals. He can score goals in a short period of time for you. You know yeah, I mean? but he also can disappear on you and just go away and then be absolutely anticlimactic, you know? So I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, you know, Jake Allen is a goaltender out there with Montreal. They're running with three goalies right now, Primo, Montembeau, and, and Allen. He's got – he's only making 3.85 with two years left on his contract. Yeah, Anthony says Markstrom too. Markstrom go to a Carolina. You're going to have to give up Ranta or the um... – or, or the other goaltender there, but somehow you got to fit Markstrom in because Markstrom's making six million uh, for two more years. That's the big thing is Markstrom's making six million for two years. So you got to unload. You just you're not getting him for draft picks. You got to unload some some players that are currently in your lineup to free up that cap space. Listen, this this Carolina team has a lot to deal. They they have a lot of quality players that they can that they can put into a into a trade. I don't know how big their you know their minor league cast is or how many what kind what their draft their their draft pick possibilities are. But there's a lot of players on this team that they can dangle in front of some some players some teams, um, some real quality players. So yeah. I would I'd be very curious to see if if Carolina does something at the end because. They are there, and they've gotten there as quiet as any team in the National Hockey League because that back in November, it looked like the whole team was going to fall apart, and Brendan and, and then uh, Brindamore was just losing his mind uh, back in November, but they've turned this season around pretty good. Yeah, it's going to be a fun run. We've got uh, about 18 days until the trade deadline, and I always love the trade deadline. I love – I, I love when they make trades, though, when they break it like a week before, and then you see all these all these procrastinators and all these uh, uh, guys on TSN and Sportsnet in Canada sitting there with their thumb up the butt because they've got nothing to talk about because they just can't wait to break the, the, the next new trade. So, you know what? There's a lot of GMs, Rutherford's being one. He just did it with, uh, with Elias Lindholm, Armstrong, different guys. I think the best trades you make are the ones you make two, three weeks before the trade deadline. Then it gives your it gives that player a chance to to adjust a little bit better. Jr. You get traded at, at the trade deadline March eighth. You've got thirty days until the playoffs start, and trading them a week or you know three or four weeks before the trade deadline gives that player time to adjust. So it'll be interesting to see, buddy. Yeah, it will be. But that's listen. We got a lot of fun things coming up. This weekend is Chris Chelios's uh, jersey retirement. Oh. I will be in Chicago on the ice with Chelly. What are you doing for that? Because I saw a flyer and it had your name on it. Are you emceeing it? Are you? No, I'm, no. Chelly picked a handful of people to be on the ice with him that are going to be part of the videos, be part of the celebration. Um, awesome. And so I will be on the ice with Chelly um, while they raise his, his number to the rafters and um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty special honor. Tell you the truth. How many, how many numbers are raised in Chicago? I think there's seven. I think there's seven. I mean, obviously you got the Esposito 
Um, you got Makita, you have Hall, you have um, um, Hall. You have Glenn Hall is up there. Savvy's up there. Um, Magnuson is up there. Um, so I would, I think that's that's probably be the all of them. So Chelly is going to be joining that group. Is that like a, I'm jealous because that's got to be a warm feeling when you walk into that building tonight and the fans see you because they love you there. It must be a great feeling for you. You know, the fans in Chicago treat me really well. It, it is a great place for me to be. Um, they, they don't forget um, how I played here at Chicago Stadium and the United Center. You know, there's, listen, this, this, this franchise is what, 90-something years old, 80-something years old? You know, there's only three players in the history of this, of this organization have scored 50 goals in a season. Only three, which, yeah. is, which is an amazing, and, and I am one of the three. Um, yeah. uh, well, there you go. So nobody can get all three. Everybody usually gets two, but they don't get the third. So Armor? Nope. So I'm one. I scored 50 twice for the Hawks. Who else? Who else scored 50 for the Hawks? Uh, the obvious, no. Stan Makita never got there. You got Bobby Hall. Bobby Hall. Bobby Hall and myself. Those are two 50 goals. And there's one other guy that scored 50 goals for the Hawks. I won't guess it, buddy. No, you won't. I don't think anybody will. He's a guy by oh. number. What? No, not Rob Brown. No. No, no Rob Brown scored 50 in Pittsburgh that yeah. one year. Yeah. Um, Al Secord. Al Secord. Al Secord, who was more of a tough guy fighter. Oh, played with, he probably played, a, he probably had penalty minutes on top of the field. Yeah, he did. He played with Savvy one year, and Savvy just hit, hit him for 50 tucks. And uh, so out of every player that's played for the Hawks for almost 90 years, only three players have ever scored 50 that's goals. Unbelievable. So, that's yeah. unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Yeah. That's something to be proud of, buddy. I know yeah. you, uh, you don't come on the show to talk about your stats, but I like hearing the history of, of where you played and so on. And, that's a phenomenal uh, achievement. What years would, would they weren't back to back, right? Yeah, they were back to back. They were, were back -back. Uh, yeah, they were back to back. It was 92, 93, 93, 94. We were line mates. Tony Amonti, and then I had a we had a bunch of guys on the other side. I think at one point, uh, Steve. My first fifty goal was Steve Larmer and Michelle Goulet, and then Tony Amonti came in, and uh, and I then we sniping again. So uh, yeah, Steve Larmer and Michelle Goulet were my teammates that that. Help me get there. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. But, good, hey, listen, it's it's going to be interesting. So so look for uh, look for me this weekend on um, with, with Chelly. Uh, he's they're playing Detroit. They're playing his other team. So it's going to be nice having Patrick Kane in, in the building. You know, seeing that because Patrick Kane's number is going to be going in those rafters. You know, in ten or fifteen years, also. So it's going to be a nice little day on Sunday. So I hope you have a great uh, great week. Uh, I want to thanks to Bet Online. For the great sponsorship, Whiskey in the Wild, go to whiskeyinthewild.com. Get the best chocolate, chocolate whiskey of all time. Uh, thanks to Believe, who helps us um, tremendously. Go to Caffeine TV. Make sure you go to Caffeine TV. Download us on Caffeine TV or wherever you find your podcasts. It is nofilter.net. It is Snipes and Stripes with my good buddy, Tim Peel. I am Jeremy Roenick. We will see you Monday for yeah. Snipes and Stripes Weekend Edition. Enjoy the talkie on the weekend. Everybody have a great week. See you, Timmy. See you, bud.